listening to the Alan Carter Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome to the program, and we have an enormous show ahead for you. We have a series of cat stories because, as you know, the internet and much of our modern society is built on cat videos and cat stories, and I have cat news for you coming up. Also, we are going to talk about meat. What is meat? Is it possible to have a veggie burger that is a vegan meat burger? Is that is that a thing? Can you have vegan cheese? Is cheese, by its definition, dairy? Coming up in the program, your opportunity to weigh in on the words that we use when we describe meat. But I begin with a happy birthday shout-out. Happy birthday to Bill Davis. The former Ontario Premier is 90 years old today, and you know, there's a lot of people who think that we could use a little Bill Davis energy in politics today. He was a conservative. He was what we would describe as a red Tory. And he was also very much of the never too hot, never too cold, right down the middle sort of governing that by and large has been what Ontario governments are. Every once in a while, we get an outlier to the left, to the right. But Bill Davis, in his mark, in his stamp on the politics of this province, continues. Davis was first elected as MPP for Peel in the 1959 provincial election. He was a backbencher in Leslie Frost's government. Under John Robarts, he was Minister of Education. Davis was the 18th Premier of Ontario. He served in that role from 1971 to 1985. He resigned in 85. Here is Bill Davis in 2015 at a dedication of a park near Ontario Place that bears his name. You may know this that our current mayor, John Tory, who was in attendance that day, actually worked with Davis, was chief of staff in the Davis administration. And here Davis talks about his relationship with his former chief of staff. There was a time when John Tory used to write speeches for me, and uh, and then I will always throw them aside and say, uh, it's a great speech, but I don't intend to deliver it. That is Bill Davis, who is 90 today. And one of the reasons I'm talking about Bill Davis is his influence on politics in this province continues, and I don't think people quite realize how much. I want to read from you a little excerpt from Steve Pakin of TVO, who wrote on the birthday today a couple of things. And Mr. Pakin uh, is also an author of a book on Bill Davis. And Steve Pakin writes, Davis has been out of public office for almost 35 years, yet he remains quite active in politics. In 2014, when he lost confidence in Brampton's then-mayor, Susan Fennell, he went to bat for Linda Jeffrey in the mayoral race, even though she was a former liberal cabinet minister. After his relationship with Jeffrey soured, he backed former Ontario PC leader Patrick Brown in last year's mayoral contest, even going so far as to record a robocall for him. Brown beat Jeffrey by 4,000 votes. That from Steve Pakin, and you can sort of see there that Mr. Davis continues to have an impact and an influence. And, in fact, in 2011, when Dalton McGinty won what he called his major minority, the first person he called upon 
to come and visit and advise him was Bill Davis, because Bill Davis had operated a minority government, and Dalton McGinty wanted to learn a few things about how to do that. Not sure he learned all that well, because as you recall, it wasn't long after that that Mr. McGinty was pretty much chased from office, proroguing the legislature. But for all of the positive things we can say about Bill Davis, there is one legacy that continues to be controversial to this day. And I go back now to see Fagan again. Davis's final term was punctuated by one of the most controversial decisions he ever made, to extend public funding for the Catholic school system at the end of high school. The Constitution promised taxpayer support to the end of grade 8, and as education minister in the 60s, Davis had extended public funding to grade 10. There, it remained for two decades. If Catholic students wanted to attend grades 11, 12, and 13 in the separate school system, they had to pay tuition to do so. Davis's 1984 decision to extend taxpayer support to the end of high school began the process that ended that practice. To this day, 35 years after the fact, many Ontarians still believe he made the wrong call. Where do you stand on a separate school board fully funded by the taxpayer? It continues to be a hot-button issue and the third rail in Ontario politics. No one wants to go anyone near it, anywhere near it. So today is obviously a celebration for Bill Davis. Happy birthday, Mr. Davis. But today also marks a somber anniversary. It has been 34 years now since 8-year-old Nicole Moran went missing from her Etobicoke home. And today police are hoping a new image will lead to more information about what happened to her. Priya Sam, a Global News reporter, is reporting on this today. Priya, hello. We're just working to get Priya on the line here. Priya has been at this news conference in which they released this updated uh, image of Nicole. 34 years ago, she went missing without a trace. She went for a swim in her apartment uh, pool, got in the elevator, got off the elevator, and was never seen from or heard from again. Priya Sam is now on the line. Hi, Priya. Hi, Alan. How are you? I'm, I'm good, thank you. What is it that police released today? So they released a new age-enhanced image. So this is a sketch that was done by an artist of what Nicole would look like today. So, of course, uh, she would be in her early uh, 40s at this point. And they're hoping that this might generate some new tips. So... First of all, if she's still alive, of course, they're hoping that maybe this image, somebody might recognize it. Uh, and also they're saying, you know, for anyone who may have seen anything at the time, they're, ho- they're using this opportunity to remind anyone who may have heard or seen anything at the time uh, to contact them, saying that any tip, uh, no tip is too small, really. Anything could lead them to the break that they need in this case. This remains to be, this remains a a mystery and obviously a heartbreak for the family. What is it, is it just the anniversary that has prompted this from police or is, do they have any reason to believe that she may still be alive? We didn't hear anything um, other than that it was the anniversary that had prompted them to release this. But, you know, over the years, a lot of officers uh, who have worked on this case, whether uh, it was at the time that it happened or a, a sort of a cold case later on, a lot of them have said that it's really haunted them over the years. You know, no one could ever figure out 
what had happened to her. Of course, she was such a young girl. Um, and that the disappearance really just didn't make any sense. So there seems to have been this ongoing interest uh, in the case over the years uh, and a renewed call on this anniversary this year. Priya Sam is a Global News reporter, and you can watch her report on Global News tonight. Also, Karen Lieberman is also working on a story just to look at the case and its enduring impact in this province. Thank you, Priya. Thank you. I want to get you an ASAP Rocky update. Can we? Can we get a little ASAP Rocky in the house? The American rapper now is going to get his day in court in Sweden. Whoa. <laughs> As we just dial up some ASAP. Yeah, I, I actually said before I came on the radio today, I'm hoping to get through this hour with nobody calling the CRTC. And that, and I don't even make it 13 minutes into the show without that happening. But here is your update. Uh, here is your clean update on ASAP Rocky. It's the first day of what's expected to be a three-day trial for ASAP Rocky. He and two members of his entourage are facing assault charges in Stockholm in a case that has caught the attention of a number of prominent musicians here in the United States, as well as that of President Donald Trump, who tried to intervene on the rapper's behalf at the behest of Kanye West and his wife Kim Kardashian West. Prosecutors say the case is simple. The Grammy-nominated rapper and the other two suspects attacked Mustafa Jafari last month. The defense says the men acted in self-defense. The charges carry a maximum sentence of two years in prison. I'm Oscar Wells Gabriel. So there's your ASAP Rocky update. When we come back, the burning question for all of us thinking about lunch, should I eat meat or not? Or should I have that tofu burger, that tofurkey? Are you thinking about what you eat and maybe cutting back on the amount of meat? Obviously, this Beyond Meat thing has gone crazy. Everybody offering meatless versions of burgers. But what is it that we call these things? Is it meat? It is time to talk about meat. And to talk about meat, we want you to weigh in. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. What do you think about the term burger? Does a burger have to have meat in it? Well, before we get to that, let me tell you this, that Toronto is about to get more vegan fast food, this time straight out of London, Ontario. Global local fast food popped up years ago as a food truck. It still operates. One of the, one of the originators of the concept straight up vegan fast food in Ontario. So the menu has something called chicken sandwiches, burgers and tacos and breakfast sandwiches. All of them mimic items at your favorite chains, but all are made with plant-based ingredients. A Toronto location on College Street will not have a drive through like the one in London, but they are hoping to open one in the GTA at some point. The Little Italy restaurant will be the first Toronto location for this vegan joint. From that to Beyond Meat, Beyond Meat is in for a bumpy ride. The plant-based meat maker reporting some good news Monday, raising its full-year revenue guidance after better-than-expected second-quarter sales. But shares slumped as it turned in a bigger loss than Wall Street forecast and announced another stock 
sale. That's your stock update on Beyond Meat. It is an absolute darling on the stock market. A lot of people think that that's where the money should be. But when it comes to fake meat, what do we call it? Meat people, that's the actual animal meat people, meaning ranchers, farmers, and lobbyists say, you know, competition from meatless alternatives is welcome. Just don't call it meat. In 24 U.S. states, organizations have worked to pass legislation to make it illegal for plant-based foods to be called meat. Supporters for these measures don't want vegan or vegetarian food items to be called burgers, steaks, dogs, cheese, so on and so forth. Well, what do you think about that? Are you confused by meatless meat? Does your meat actually have to have something that once walked on four legs to be able to call it meat? Bill is in Scarborough. Bill, what do you think about the meat debate? Boy, uh, you know, i got to get on your show one day, and uh, you got to invite me. I own, uh, my name's Bill, I own JW Foods. We're, uh, we're a provincially inspected processing facility in Scarborough. Um, but I'll tell you what I think about meat. Meat should be called meat, period. Uh, plant-based should be called plant-based, vegetarian, vegetarian. Um, you, you don't want to confuse the consumer with what they're consuming. Me, I'm 52 years old. Um, our company is dedicated to the health industry, so I always tell people a four-ounce protein is more than enough protein to be consuming at, at any given time. You shouldn't be consuming more than that. But I do a lot of public speaking on um, exactly what you're talking about. And this Beyond Meat concept, Brilliant, brilliant guys that created that three years ago. I wish I had thought of it myself, but there was a company in Montreal, a Canadian company called BG Gourmet, who actually has vegetarian option burgers that are exceptional and they're very clean. Beyond Meat has a lot of dirty, dirty stuff in it that is not good for the human body. All right, well, let's just hope their lawyers aren't listening. Just hold on to the line there, Bill, because I want to put the shout-out to anybody out there who enjoys a you know vegetarian burger here or there or likes the meatless options. 416-870-6400-STAR-640. Let me run through a couple of things here because I think, Bill, you have an interesting perspective here. Let's just talk about the naming. Could I say on a package, should I be allowed to say cashew steak? And, um, no, no, because it's not a steak. But I said cashew. I didn't say, like, it's a ca- It's a steak. It, you know, it, it, maybe it'll be marbled with some kind of, you know, I don't know, plants or something, sort of maybe like a cattail in there. No, you know, like, you gotta, you got to call it what it is. If, if it's cashew, you gotta come up with, you got to come up with something that is more creative than a steak. A steak, come on, everybody in, in society knows a steak is meat. Period. Um, uh, yeah, you, we're confusing the consumer out there, and you've got to stop doing that. A lot, of, a lot of the issues that I have with the food industry in this country is the confusion about what we're doing. And I tell my inspector all the time, you know, enough is enough. If I've got to put uh, skinless bonus on something, and then I've got to say what it is, we've got to really, really be careful on how we're determining what words we're using when it comes to the food industry. We're confusing the consumers, and it's got to stop. You don't think the consumer knows the difference between a cashew steak and a... Like, I just make this up. I don't think there is such a thing as a cashew steak, but maybe there is. But you don't think that the, the consumer would know the difference? And we're talking to Bill here. here was a, a, you said you're a licensed processor. What does that mean? Yes, 
so um, we're in the, tr- the Traceability Act of Canada is very clear, and you'll see a lot of high-end butcher shops saying they deal with local um, local farms. It's against the law in this country for anyone to deal with a local farm unless you're unless you're a provincially inspected or a federal processing facility. I so, see, and that and that's what you operate. And that's exactly what we are. We are a farm sells to a licensed abattoir who sells to a provincial or federal plant, which is us. You're right. And we sell it to everybody else. My problem is if I have to follow this, this system, I'm sorry, everybody else has to step into line. I don't care if you go in the stock market or wherever you go. Um, this year, the government now changed it that I can no longer sell raw chicken fingers because the consumer out there is misunderstanding that it's raw, and they're eating it as if it's cooked because it's got a, a, a very brown coating on it. So they all, they've said we are no longer allowed to do that. We can only sell to the restaurant. So what you're saying is that the consumer, at least from a, uh, a perspective of the uh, regulator, the consumer is kind of dumb. Uh, I, I hate to use the word dumb because I love the consumer because they keep me in business. But right. I'll tell you this much. Um, the way it's becoming, we're, we're becoming um, uh, uh, almost... <laughs> Almost done. All right, Bill. Listen, I appreciate that. That's a great perspective. I just want to move on to Adam here. And, and before I get to you, Adam, I think what's interesting here is, is, you know, you talk about the beef processors and that sort of thing, but you look at the dairy side, right? If you look at the consumption of dairy, it is down significantly from where it was 20 or 30 years ago. But And what is up are plant-based alternatives. And so is almond milk milk? Is that is that milk? Is coconut milk milk, or is milk by definition something that comes from a cow? And the beef industry, I think, is super worried that if we don't get on top of this now, if they don't get rules now, that they're going to go the way of dairy. And Adam from North York has perspective on that. Adam, yeah, I've been a vegan since 1990, so this is old old hat to me. Uh, as far as the dairy industry goes, I think they pressured, in, at least in the Canadian market. They can no longer call any of the plant-based uh, d- d- drinks uh, milk. They have to call them beverages. So that they're, I think, rebrand that. Um, but you see, uh, consumers are, are smart as they are, and, and they, they're buying the healthier products anyways. And the beef industry is feel, feeling very threatened, and they're grasping for straws, and they're trying the same thing as the dairy industry. Don't call it meat. Meat is just a mass. I mean, when I remember when I was young, my dad would, would crack coconuts, and he would say, the meat of the coconut, you know? It's, it's just a mass. It's, it's the edible part. So I never defined it. I so never you've never defined, defi- you'd never defined meat no. as protein from an animal? Absolutely not, you know? And, my God, it's, it's spelled right there in English. If it says plant-based burgers, if you don't understand that, then you're probably in Darwin. What about a, like a tofu dog? If it says tofu hot dog, is that right? Is so that offline? Is that is that out no, of line, rather? Not at all. Not at all. Because you're telling what kind of hot dog it is. There's beef hot dogs, pork hot dogs. This is a tofu dog. This is a soy dog, or you know whatever. I mean, come on, the consumer's not that stupid. This is the industry panicking. This, that's all it is. I just, I, you're, from your perspective, you, you've said that you've been a vegan for a long time. Um, True. How has the reaction to you and, you know, your, your choice of what to eat when you go to restaurants or you go to yeah. families, how, how has that changed maybe in the last couple of years? 
Well, they're a lot more vegan-friendly uh, every place you go. I mean, it, now it's very trendy, and that's obviously a, a great thing. It's a good thing. And, uh, I mean, back in the day, you know, sometimes I'd get invited to a, a steakhouse, and if I did end up going, I'd just get, you know, a salad and baked potato. And I was really happy with that. I was, I was very happy with that. But now you got, you know, you have all kinds of these veggie burger options. So obviously things think things are better for you, Adam. All right, I appreciate yeah. that. I just want to get to one more, if I can, query real quick here, because Jason's on the line from Dundak, and you are a beef farmer. Your reaction to all of this? Well, no, I totally agree. That it, why why are we calling it meat, or why do they want to call it a burger? They they want nothing to do with a burger, but they want to call it a burger. Um, yeah, it's affecting your industry big time. It's gonna. It, we're a multi-million dollar business. People don't realize. Our, our previous caller said that you guys are. It's just panic on your on your part. Well, I guess it is panic, but I'd like to I'd like to ask that vegan uh, if he's starving to death next week, will he eat a burger or will he starve to death? And I think we all know the answer to that. I I don't know if that has anything to do with you know industrial raising of beef. I don't think that does. It that that's a that's a desert island thing. Different, don't you think? Oh uh, no, I don't think so at all. I uh, I think it's. Uh, you know, it's our way of life, and it's affecting our industry very, very big. This this plant-based stuff, and uh, no, I'm, I'm just asking them that question. I, I find these vegans funny. You know, they don't want nothing to do with animals or or anything like that. But I, I just asked that question: Would he eat it if he was starving? I think I think every, I think people find vegans funny peculiar, but nobody finds vegans funny. Ha ha! All right, thank you so much. I appreciate. It. No, there is no such thing as a funny vegan. I think you have to actually eat meat to be funny. I think that might be a thing. with pain so many millions of canadians suffer with pain daily and they also have to deal with how to deal with their pain in 2018 3.7 million canadians aged 15 and older used an opioid pain medication that according to recent government data according to health canada between 2015 and 2016 one out of every seven people in ontario filed or pardon me filled an opioid prescription that means more than 9 million Opioid prescriptions were filled in the province during that period. The prescriptions can include codeine after wisdom teeth have been taken out or something more significant, something heavier. Stats Canada also found that around 1 in 10 Canadians who used an opioid medication reported problematic use, and it continues to cost lives. From January of 2016 to September of 2018, More than 10,000 people died from apparent opioid overdoses. That's according to the latest government data. Out of all those overdoses, 73% of deaths involved fentanyl or fentanyl-related substances. But behind all of these stats are real human stories of pain and loss and a growing sense that these deaths were not only preventable, but if doctors and companies and oversight had been in place that this would not happen. Kaylee Robbins says his brother, her brother, pardon me, Chad, was prescribed opioid medication after suffering a serious injury as a construction worker in Simcoe County. Chad struggled with addiction throughout his adult life, fatally overdosed in 2017 at the age of 32. Here is his sister. When the doctor stopped prescribing them, 
um, he didn't know how to function anymore. And so he continued to try and find um, medications from, he would go to different, different doctors, different hospitals, um, and throughout the years it just progressively got worse and worse and worse. And it got to a point where even like the opioid medications weren't even enough at that point, which then leads to harder drugs. He led to crack cocaine and um, heroin and um, ultimately um, it was an opi opioid overdose that did kill him. The um, substance that was the most prevalent in his system was morphine, a pain medication. So we go right back to where we started. That is Kaylee Robbins describing her brother's battle to get back to normal after using prescribed opioids. He fatally overdosed at the age of 32 in 2017. Laura Hensley is a Global News Online national journalist and has written extensively about this. You can read her work on globalnews.ca and joins me in the studio. Hi, Laura. Hi, Alan. Unfortunately, the story here, as tragic and heartbreaking as it is, is not out of the ordinary in this province and in this country. No, definitely. I mean, Chad's story is so tragic, but it's one that I've heard many times reporting this series. And, you know, I heard from one mom in BC who lost her son last year. He was first introduced to opioids at the age of 13. He had a stomach condition and his pain was just so bad. And he developed a dependency by the time he was in high school. And so I think this issue goes, you know, really deep, but it can affect anyone of any age, and it really has long-lasting effects. And so important in all of this, and I believe that we have changed our perception a little bit as a society over the past decade. We no longer believe that the opioid crisis is something that is junkies and drug addicts. We see this time and time again. People with pain issues prescribe these drugs, and then when the doctors say no more or you can't get that drug anymore, then you have to turn to illicit markets. Exactly. And I, I think the problem is a lot of people didn't realize how addictive these drugs could be. So in the case of this young boy, really, when he was prescribed, he didn't have the resources when he was coming off those drugs to support, to get that support. So when he was, you know, addicted to opioids and battling his addiction, the resources just were not there to support him. So I think it's a, it's, it's a really complicated issue, but it, a lot of people are introduced to these drugs, they get addicted to them. And then when the prescription runs out, they are left so dependent to, on them to function that they end up turning to the streets. And I think that's where we see a lot of the tragic overdoses. Here is Kaylee Robbins, who is the sister of a young man who overdosed at the age of 32, talking about precisely that kind of thing. Even at that point when they stopped prescribing the medications and he would turn to other things, where's the gap filled that somebody says, you may now struggle with this type of pain, but it's not the pain that you initially were prescribed the medications for. It's now you're suffering with the withdrawals and the, you know, all of that stuff. And... There was no in-between, nobody to stop and say, okay, this is how we're going to help you get through this. There is not a second that goes by that he's not the forefront of my every thought. And, you know, your heart breaks because it's broken for yourself, it's broken for your family, for his daughter.
That is Kaylee Robbins talking about her brother, Chad, who overdosed in 2017. Much of the focus now, Laura, speaking with Laura Hensley, Global News Online national journalist who's written about this for globalnews.ca, much of the focus now, Laura, is on these pharmaceutical companies, and now we have all of these lawsuits, even from Canada. Yeah, so a lot of, you know, people are turning to the pharmaceutical industry and they're saying that they intentionally misled doctors and market opioid products as being safe and not really addictive when that wasn't necessarily true. So in Oklahoma, the state is suing Johnson & Johnson for their alleged role in the opioid crisis, saying that they intentionally lied and marketed these products. And that's happening, you know, in Canada as well. BC has sued Purdue Pharma. Purdue is the manufacturer of OxyContin a drug we hear a lot about in the news, saying that they marketed the product in a way that just wasn't true. Laura Hensley is a Global News Online national journalist, and you can read her work on globalnews.ca. It is important, and it continues to be a scourge and an epidemic in this province and in this country. It's great work. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I promise cat news, we have cat news. A variety of cat-related stories today, including putting cats to work. This is Ginger, and she is on the job. Ginger is the furry face of Manatee County's new Working Cats program. Spayed and neutered feral cats too wild to be pets are now being adopted to patrol public safety buildings and farms, tracking down rodents and pests. They're not going to be happy inside, and they're not going to be sitting on the couch watching TV with you. These are cats that want to be outside doing something. So we say, let's put them to work. Working cats get food, shelter, a blankie, and room to roam. Like Gilligan over there, who isn't too crazy about humans. Manatee County Animal Services paired Ginger and a few other cats with Sherry Pauline, a paramedic at Manatee County EMS Station Number 5 in Bradenton. So Ginger, you bonded you two, right? We did, absolutely. Sherry says Ginger has become a calming friend in the middle of a high-stress job. Especially like a critical call. You know, we have somebody or something to be able to bond to. You're working and the cats are working, Mm -hmm. but also there's that bond between the both of you. We do. Non-judgmental and, you know, we call her over and she comes and she just lets us pet her and can't pick her up very long. Two seconds and she's gone. She's like, I'm done. In Bradenton, Sean Daly, ABC Action News. Cats. Why does it always have to be cats? That cat's something I can't explain. In New Hampshire, a police officer says the kitten that he was trying to pick up in a parking lot turned out to be A bobcat, which then jumped onto the roof of a Burger King. Sir, this is a Burger King. Eventually, a conservation officer had to come, climbed up onto the roof, put the bobcat in a crate. The bobcat was released at a wildlife refuge with a double whopper. God, I hate this freaking cat. From Metro UK, a kind-hearted animal lover has been jailed for feeding stray cats abandoned by her neighbor. Nancy Segula was hit with 10 days in the county jail in Ohio 
after breaking a law banning residents of Garfield Heights, where she lives, from feeding the stray cats and dogs. Ten days in the slammer for feeding the strays. To CNN, what is the cost of a parking ticket in Muncie, Indiana? Asks CNN. Well, a donation of cat food or supplies for the local animal shelter. In an effort to help the Muncie Animal Care Services shelter, the Muncie Police Department has asked violators to pay their parking tickets in cat food. If you have a $25 parking ticket, you can bring $25 worth of cat food or litter to the clerk's office. Then you can get your parking ticket to go away with the exchange of the donation. Remember back in the day when you had the front wheel drive and you just put the big bag of catty litter, kitty litter in the back to weight down the back of the car so you wouldn't spin out? Now you can just pay for your parking ticket with that. That's good. I want to take you to the Mirror UK who has a story about single men who own cats. Did you know this? There is a name for this. They're dubbed catchulers. And a new survey of catchulers says that men with cats say having a feline takes the pressure off having to find a partner. One in four thinks their pet has taken the pressure off being single as they are good company in lieu of a partner. (laughs) Another 29% like having their cat around because they're good to talk to. Half believe the pet keeps them calm. One in ten catchulers going as far to say that their cat offered counsel through an emotional breakup. The cat puked up a furball. I think that pretty much is the comment on the relationship right there. Have you seen what Richard Branson tweeted? You know Richard Branson, one of the richest guys in the world. Well, he got on the old Twitter machine the other day, and guess what he tweets? He tweets out this little bon mot. I truly believe that stuff really does not bring happiness. Family, friends, good health, and the satisfaction that comes from making a positive difference are really what matters. Well, that's nice. Rich. Richie Rich. Then I guess what? You won't be needing that private island anymore? Those jets? The jetpack, all that stuff, that doesn't make you happy. Alan! 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 It's people shouting your name that makes you truly happy. I'm a pretty normal guy.